Hello, welcome to episode number six of Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing, the podcast all about art and design theory for hairdressers. I'm Cody, I'm a hairdresser in Washington, D.C., and each week I want to find a way to broaden our creative senses and build a culture of independent creative thinking. So each week, the episodes are designed to get us to think about our craft or aspects of our craft in a different way than they are typically presented to us. And I think it's important to celebrate the fact that every single one of us, as creative people, come from a different background, we work a little bit differently, we're inspired by different things. So everyone's work is going to be a little different. What I noticed about hairdressing education is it's sort of designed to teach you someone else's methods or someone else's techniques with the idea that you will go back and reproduce them. My goal is to get us to understand sort of the fundamentals visually of what we do so we're able to build on the technical side of our work that we're really good at and almost break this glass ceiling and learn to create and think for ourselves. And since we're all busy hairdressers, I do like to keep these pretty short and concise And then after the show, I encourage you guys to join in our group conversations on the Point and Line to Head Facebook page. So enough of all that. Let's get started with the actual episode. Last week, we started a conversation about the sort of tangible piece of our work, geometry, actual shape, actual form. This week is all about light, so color and the properties that actually animate that geometry in our work. I will start, as always, with a quote. This one is from Rudolf Arnheim again, from his book, Art and Visual Perception. If a thing is experienced frequently, we learn to react to it smoothly. Our reasoning and feeling are not likely to remain actively concerned with it. And yet, it is the most common and elementary matters that reveal the nature of existence with powerful directness. Last week, there was this theme of seeing is not just seeing, and concrete things are often more complex than they appear. This episode is going to continue in that same direction, and this week we're talking about light, color, things that seem almost secondary or routine to most of us. And it's these properties that seem mundane, that play the biggest part in our work. And the play of light is what animates form and gives meaning to our work as a whole. And I thought it would be a good idea here to really dissect something like color that is very secondary to us and I find on a day-to-day, the way that we think about color is my client wants to be blonde, so I just have to make her blonde. Or my client wants to be red, I just have to make that happen. And 
there's more to color than just that. And there's more to color than just being red or being purple or being lime green. Vasily Kandinsky, who was an abstract painter, and I keep referring back to him, but he has this quote where he says, color is a power which directly influences the soul. And where a writer could take 700 pages to tell a story, a visual artist could tell that same 700-page story maybe with a few brushstrokes or with the right sort of shapes arranged in a sculpture. We'll start just discussing light a little bit here, and then we'll talk color, which is a property of light and a huge part of what we do as hairdressers, but it's it, it can't stand alone. It's not a source of composition just on its own. Then we have temperature, which is sort of a visual measurement of color and of direction. And then we'll finish up with weight, which is another visual measurement that's related to temperature and sort of context. And these are the properties of light that actually give meaning to form or give meaning to a shape and stir up an emotion in the viewer and start getting someone to engage with our work. Another quote from Rudolf Arnheim and Art and Visual Perception, he says, a few simple lines and dots are readily accepted as a face, quote unquote. Which is to say the impression of our finished work, the end result of our cutting, coloring, styling, all of that, the impression of all of that is created by subconscious or secondary features influencing a few important details. If we see a red octagon, we know that that's a stop sign. A few key details portray something to us visually. If we're looking at a bob, we look for the line at the bottom, probably, or maybe a slope downwards towards the face, something along those lines. So a few key details give us the impression of the whole. Now, what we do is not representational, meaning we probably aren't drawing a stop sign on the back of someone's head, but the idea of telling your story. How can I tell my story through the play of form and light? Now there's a little bit more to a composition than just form and light, but these are the two major sort of abstract parts of our work. And again, I have like crazy person notes of more things that I want to cover moving forward. But let's start with these two main points. So we covered form, let's cover light. Our eyes are secretly these measuring devices that identify things in, say, a work of art that you relate to. The use of light paired with form helps us to develop details, make our story or concept come to life in an interesting and dynamic way, but it also helps us to reveal that geometry that we've created. 
if we took a picture of a black cube, the impression of that cube happens by how light reveals it. If this black cube is in a dark room on a dark background, we might not see anything at all. And if it was evenly lit, shot straight on, maybe it's not even that interesting. Now, if we were to focus light on just one corner of the cube and reframe the whole photo, suddenly it becomes a little more interesting and maybe tells some sort of story. And someone looking at it might have a better feel for the fact that it's a cube in this dark room and have more of an idea of the context in which it exists. And this is the animation of form, drawing attention to the important details, the use of light and properties of light. The first property of light is color, which again is a huge part of what we do as hairdressers every single day, but it's not a means to an end. Like I said a few episodes ago, if we have someone with really long hair and we color it all a solid bright red, the end result doesn't say much. So it's not the amount of color that we use, but the placement and the effect that engages someone and makes the work dynamic. So let's start talking really basic, like Sesame Street color. I'm sure all of us have heard this at least once. We have categories that color is organized into. Today we'll talk really basic. Feel free to look up, you know, the tertiary, quaternary, octanary, all of that. But let's keep it simple for today so we understand the, the basics here. Primary colors are the lowest common denominator and building blocks of any color that a human being can physically see. We have red, yellow, and blue. Those are the primary colors. Last episode, we talked about primary form, the triangle, square, circle, just like that, but this is in the light spectrum. Red, yellow, and blue are the ingredients, so to speak, to any other color that exists. Then we have secondary colors. These are created through equal mixture of those primary colors. So going back to Sesame Street, blue and yellow mixed equally give us green. Blue and red mixed equally give us violet. Red and yellow mixed evenly give us orange. So we have orange, green, and violet are these secondary colors. The last piece of this I'm going to touch on are complementary colors. And... Just for the sake of simplicity, we'll consider these as radically different from each other. So pairs of colors that contrast the most. And I'm just going to leave it there. I know there's like 900 colorists out there that are going to go, no, but complementary colors are this or that. And let's just keep this simple. Complementary colors are these pairs that contrast. And we have red and green. We have yellow and violet, and we have blue and orange. Complementary colors. I'm not going to spend too much more time on that because I feel like that's the part of color that gets beaten to death in hairdressing education, but it's important. And if you want to know more about 
sort of the fundamentals of color theory, look up a book called Color, Light, Sight, Sense. has some really cool eye-opening color theory information. And honestly, I could spend two hours talking about color, but I'm not going to do that. Um, And actually, while you're at it, look up a book called Theory of Colors by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. It was written in the early 1800s as people started actually studying color as as a concept. Really interesting to sort of consider it in that context, because people really hadn't talked scientifically about color before that point. And it's basically like his lab notebook or something. Um, Both of those are insanely interesting. Maybe not the easy, like, beach read you would bring on vacation with you. Um, I mean, I did, but I'm strange. So those are great places to go for really super nerdy color theory, like you've never experienced it before. But back to color here. Um... It's not about the amount of color, but how you use color in your work. Now, the amazing thing about color is everyone experiences it differently. Color is a wildly subjective element in our work, partially because of the way humans are just built, and then because of everyone's unique reference points and experiences. We all have what are called rods and cones in our eyes that those allow us to perceive color and depth. This is another easily like two hour conversation, but I'll keep this short. Everyone has a different distribution of these rods and cones. Some have more of one than the other, but because of that, everyone sees color physically sees it a little bit differently. Then going back to that visual library of references that I've mentioned here a few times. In addition to just different biological makeup, everyone has this different library of experiences in their head, so to speak. So everyone looks at colors differently, just psychologically. One color to someone might be comforting and happy, It was the color of the throw pillow on their grandmother's sofa, while to someone else, that same color puts them on edge. It was the color that their old boss wore all the time. Because of these two factors, color is a really dynamic concept to think about. But in our work, it's what brings the geometry, the form, the shape to life and helps us develop that story or that concepts that we have in our head. We can express certain things about our work or accentuate certain areas with the use of color and with the use of light. We do that through temperature, through implied weight, through depth, which all have to do with the arrangement and placement of light. So we have those categories of color, primary, secondary, complementary. Then we categorize color as a whole by temperature, by the feel, this sort of qualitative piece in this puzzle. So temperature, this idea of cold and hot, serene or active, manufactured or organic. 
this idea of temperature is a perceived measurement. We have cool colors, which are blues and violets, and then we have warm colors, which are, are reds and yellows. And this idea comes from this visual library that's locked away in everyone's head. We have fire, which is typically hot. And when we think about fire, we think of reds and yellows and oranges. And we have cold colors. Think water or ice. They probably have a much different physical temperature than fire. And we associate these with sort of these blues and violets. This is a subconscious thing that's locked away in everyone's head. We associate cool and warm visually based on this primal set of references in our heads. Cool and warm are things that we talk about technically in color. Cool and warm tones, they neutralize each other and all of that. I'm not going to talk about the technical part of coloring hair. I'm happy to point you in the direction of great technical color information, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. So we have cold and hot colors. But then we can talk about form and direction relating to temperature as well. We have horizontal and vertical. Going to go back to last episode, these properties of form, properties of line, horizontal and vertical. Horizontal, we think about the horizon, the ground, and automatically associate that with coolness. It may not be something we've ever thought about, but it's locked away in that visual library somewhere. So cold, ground, horizon, horizontal. Whereas vertical, we associate with, this is really abstract here, but reaching upwards towards the sky, towards daylight, towards the sun, towards warmth. So vertical lines and forms automatically have this warmth to them. We'll circle back to that because I don't think it gets talked about enough in hairdressing education. We learn, again, technical and not theoretical. So with temperature comes this idea of weight, comes this idea of depth. Weight is an impression of hardness or softness. Think of a glass block like they used in the 80s, glass block and a cinder block. Without picking them up, automatically the cinder block looks heavier. It has a cool color, it's dense, whereas the glass is clear, there's light coming through it, and it looks like you could pick it up a lot easier. The material affects the perception, and the color of the material affects perception. If we have two women with bobs that are cut to one line at their chin, they're both the same length, we color one blonde, a platinum blonde, and we color the other pitch black. The blonde one looks lighter, obviously, but it looks like the hair is more likely to move on its own accord, whereas the black will look much more dense and almost like it's hammered and nailed into place. This perception has to do with light and color and temperature influencing this visual measurement of weight. Dark colors, cool colors, blues and violets look much heavier than their warm counterparts, yellows and oranges. And we can create some really interesting effects by playing with this idea of weight. We have 
light and dark hair, but there are different hair textures. Curly hair, wavy hair, smooth hair, braided hair, shaved hair, crimped hair, etc. But the rule of thumb is anything that reflects light looks lighter, while anything that has a matte finish or reflects less light looks heavier. So let's compare curly and straight hair. Curly hair will tend to look heavier because naturally it reflects less light. There's ways around that, but let's just think of raw curly hair. It will tend to look heavier because it tends to reflect less light. Whereas smooth hair that's maybe been freshly ironed out and polished is going to look physically lighter, airier, because the light is reflecting off of it. But you can play with this perception of weight. Take that raw curly hair that tends to look heavy. If we color that hair blonde or different shades of blonde, it disrupts this perception. It makes, makes the material look lighter and changes this whole idea of weight. Or we could take two weights and put them against each other. Place smooth hair against a rough matte texture and the heavy will seem to sink into the lighter. We could use sort of an odd panel of permed hair on the side of a completely straight head of hair for contrast. I'm not going to give you a recipe here because there isn't one. Maybe your story is told with a really dense shape, or maybe the concept is more clear if you have a ruffled texture. You don't need to make every head of curly hair blonde, and you don't need to create contrasting textures every single time. I can't tell you in this case that something is right or wrong, but I can tell you that this visual weight is an added layer into the story that is your finished work. Light reflection gives the impression of hardness or softness. Dark, cool colors create the illusion of heaviness, where warm and light colors have an automatic airiness to them. Let's compare this to something unrelated to hair. So Mies van der Rohe, who was a famous architect, started playing the idea of removing the weight from a building, visually speaking. In the 1950s, architects started playing with making buildings out of glass, and a really famous example of that is Mies van der Rohe's Farnsworth House, which is all glass on the outside, and any structural element that holds the glass together, or the roof, or the floor, any of that is painted white, and the whole structure is raised off the ground to eliminate the idea of heaviness. Now we know a house is going to be heavy, but playing with this idea of perceived weight. On the other side of weight, let's talk about Vidal Sassoon, his early work, the short geometric shapes that were usually colored dark. The five point, as an example, was this little compact haircut that had this beautiful head-hugging quality and was really a monumental thing in the 60s. But his early work, while it was really heavy lines and dark colors, the images of that don't look like the hair is bulky necessarily. And that's because this dark color was paired with these head-hugging shapes and these rounded forms. 
I can't say that's the case with every piece of his work, but in those early images, there was this beautiful sense of balance of weights and shape and color. So making something that typically flies away here and moves around look like it's really rigid, but without making it look like it's bulky, necessarily. All in all, this idea of light is something that we're all familiar with as hairdressers. But again, it's these mundane things in our work that become secondary to us and almost forgotten. Now, I think it's tremendously important to know your craft and the technical part of your work so well that it becomes second nature, but it's important to understand every piece of the work and study every aspect. Part of that is understanding that color goes beyond just the color wheel that's presented to us in school. Weight is a property of temperature, is a property of color, is a property of light as a whole. And understanding these things in this kind of abstract detail lets us create more freely. And the most important thing here is there is no right and wrong. If it fulfills you to put contrasting colors next to each other, do that. And if your story is best told with three different colors that all are level sevens, tell your story that way. But understand the underlying principles. If I put these colors next to each other, or if I play with weight like this, what does it create, and how does that communicate my concept? As always, we have one final quote. This one is from Vasily Kandinsky from his book Point and Line to Plane. And this quote is, If the point of departure is correct and the direction taken is well chosen, the goal cannot be missed. In other words, if you understand your concept, and if it is thought out and well planned, and if you understand these underlying principles of visual perception, then your work will always be a success and you will always feel fulfilled. Thank you so much for joining me. Head over to the Point and Line to Head Facebook page for our discussion after the show. Make sure you're subscribed and tune in every Monday for new episodes. Next week, we'll talk about the idea of space in our work, not space like NASA, but continuing this idea of light and form and how it relates to sort of the format, so to speak. And this episode was significantly longer than the rest of them. I'm just seeing that. But thanks for listening to the whole thing. I'm Cody, and this was Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing. <laughs>